Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Right, we're going to keep moving right along. Um, we've got on the phone, we are lucky enough to now head into our McCafe coffee catch-up. And here on this Friday, we thought after Rob Nicholl joined the show yesterday and gave the context of the landscape that he's working in as boss, the Athletes Federation and New Zealand Rugby Players Association, who will follow up today with someone who understands what it's like for individual athletes and also how much is at stake for smaller sports and organisations who are trying to organise and run events in New Zealand. Carl Budge was at the helm of the growing of growing the ASB Tennis Classic to New Zealand's premier summer sporting event, and he's most recently been involved in trying to get the WSL Pihar Surf Pro off the ground, and also has a large hand to play in Sale GP, who desperately want to host a, a league in New Zealand. Carl is with us on the line now. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome you to Baz Nizzi for breakfast. Carl, good morning, mate. Morning, Brendan. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm joined by Louis as well in Izzy's absence, who's on babysitting duties, but it's great to have you on the show, mate. I know you guys had a good catch-up yesterday, and, and Louis will, uh, will jump in with us here as well. But, mate, I just wanted to follow on from yesterday with Rob Nickel, who we found incredibly insightful and, and gave us some great insights into the challenges that you guys have faced trying to pull events and sporting organisations together. Just give us a little um, insight, I guess, in the some of the professional conversations that you're, that you're having about where we currently sit right now. How, how dire is sport in, in New Zealand? Yeah, look, I think we've got a, a pretty unique challenge. And I, I guess one of the, the, the big challenges up front has not been pulled into that, that our case is any more uh, problematic or, or, or less meaningful than any other industry. I, I don't think we can um, compete with each other. You know, I think all of our, our cases are relevant and incredibly needed for each of the individual um, industries that are struggling through this, this pandemic, of which clearly there are many. But I think it is a real challenge for, for sport. And I think our uniqueness is that for, for the large majority of our us as event promoters, we're either very, very small business owners um, or not-for-profit sports organisations that, constitutionally speaking, can't carry debt. So our ability to, to plan for these events and take on you know, seven figures plus worth of uh, expenses, you know, we just can't do it without the certainty of being able to follow through. And I think that's where um, you know, you're seeing events have to, to, to not only cancel, but cancel early 
um, and, and probably rob ourselves of the chance of being able to follow through. So just to try and, uh, for everyone to try and, I guess, understand um, the challenges, can you, can you just give us some of the, the, is it the quarantine situation? Is it the fact that there's just so much uncertainty? What is it that is making it so hard for these events to be run in this current setting? I think first and foremost, it is probably the the uncertainty. Uh, as I say, we, we, we're small business owners, so if, if I think of um, you know the events that I've been associated with over the last decade or so, yeah, they sort of range from uh, about a three million dollar operating budget through to about a ten million dollar operating budget. So it's not a, a insignificant sum of money in, in anyone's language. So for us, you know, for, before day one starts, yeah, you know, you've, you've incurred you know sixty, seventy, eighty percent of that cost up front. Um, so without the, the certainty that you can follow through um, and you know, get your revenue return, be it sponsorship ticketing, um, food and beer sales, et cetera, you, you just, you know, we can't take on that risk. And, and that's why I think you're seeing events cancelled, but also cancelled you know, much earlier in the piece where you know, maybe things have changed and you could have actually run had you been able to hang on, but uh, not been able to, um, to take on that risk has just been uh, too challenging. I mean, you have to make those decisions quite a long way out. I think following on from that is, is, is the MIQ situation. And um, look, I, I don't pretend to understand the complexities that, that must be going on behind closed doors. Um, you know, it's a brutally difficult situation that constantly is moving. Uh, I, I think as event organisers, we've got a fair degree of sympathy for that. But uh, I think as the rest of the world is is opening up and, and athletes and, and federations and our like are able to you know to, to move around the world um, reasonably freely, um, yeah, I, I think if they're not part of that conversation, you know, there's obvious risks associated with them um, you know, not being with the rest of the group. Carl, awesome to have you on the show, and that leads perfectly into me just wanting to know really are we at da- in danger of athletes and teams not coming to New Zealand because they don't need to they comply their trade elsewhere where they don't have to jump through so many hoops yeah oh, man I think we've seen that all, all year already I think yeah particularly the individual athletes that, that couldn't go through uh, the group booking system that um, that was set up for sports in New Zealand and, and look don't get me wrong that's helped a number of sports um, and, and given us the entertainment that we've had so far this year uh, but there's also been a heap of people that missed out on that, and yeah, I, I think a lot of tennis players in particular, um, yeah, someone like Michael Venus who hasn't been able to come home since the start of the year. Yeah, he he, uh, he left home when he had a, a week old baby because he, he didn't know when he was going to be able to come home, um, and without having um, surety of uh, of a place in the system, it's meant that he's had to to up his life and um, and his family's life and 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 live out of hotels for for the last eight nine months, and yeah, that that's just one that you're privy to. Uh, you know, you've heard on radio and, and TV for uh, all year, really, those, these sorts of stories. So, you know, I think it's already happened and will only continue to happen more if there, there isn't, um, you know, greater surety provided to these guys. Hey, Carl, I'm just picking up on something you mentioned before as well, but just in regards to the government, obviously we're all aware that we're dealing with the health crisis first and foremost, but have they been open enough um, to understand and, and to to be cognizant of the fact that you guys have to try and front-end financially, front-end these, these kind of events? And, and have they been, uh, have they tried to give you any assistance or have they have they helped in any sort of way or, or are they kind of just shut shut down on it? You know, there's pockets that, that really have. Um, yeah, and, and you've seen that with the sports and entertainment properties that have been able to come through this year, which I, you know, I think 
you know, as a as a sports fan first and foremost before I um, before I'm a, an administrator, you know, you're appreciative for that. We we got to see rugby, we got to see sporting events that were important to us, and um, yeah, that that certainly made a challenging time a whole lot uh, more enjoyable for all of us, I'm sure. Uh, but it still is incredibly challenging. And look, oh yeah, even in my little world, I've had four different applications to go through that government process. So I, I can't, again, pretend to understand just the, the level of demand that uh, you know, if I'm one, one administrator with four different requests, you know, what's everyone else? Um, so look, I, I, I think there's some challenges, but I, I do think that you know, we've got to start finding some practical solutions. Otherwise, we do risk being left behind. Uh, you know, Auckland was announced earlier this year as um, you know, the, the number one event destination in the world, which is a, you know, an incredible um, title to, to get and something that we should really try and leverage off. And when events are likely to be a catalyst for, for travel coming out of this pandemic, uh, yeah, I, I think we've, you know, we've got a real opportunity to capitalise on that halo and, you know, and, and get back to some of these pre-pandemic uh, you know, inbound tourism markets through something like events. On an emotional and personal level, you've dealt with athletes uh, a lot. Are we in danger of alienating smaller time or kind of less high profile athletes to the point that they either just move on their career elsewhere or stay overseas permanently? And I'm talking about Kiwi ones here. Yeah, I, I think we are. Yeah, I, I, I think on both sides, mate, from a Kiwi athlete's perspective, you know, you, it, it is opening up a major that is a positive for us long, long term. You know, how can sport be creative around setting up Kiwi um, headquarters in Europe that, that enables more access um, and more affordability to, to go and do campaigns up in other parts of the world. So I think there could be some long-term benefits from it. But equally, you kind of sit back and go, what's the under-14 aspirational kid that's a squash player or um, you know, a tennis player, whatever it might be, that has missed out on those world, world champ opportunities, that's missed out on international competition, you know, that... Had missed out on vital ranking points at that critical time in their development. So you know, I think it's not just an, a, a, an immediate problem. I think it's a it's a challenge that we're going to see in the next 10, 15 years. If you know, Brendan, you'd get that better than most if you if you're not getting exposed to the best athletes um, and comparing yourself against those best athletes on a regular basis. It's a huge step up when you do get exposed to it. And you know, if, if we're two, three, four years behind our international peers in that space, clearly it's going to take us longer to catch up and develop as well. Yeah, well, that's exactly what Rob Nick was alluding to yesterday, is that that um, with the time that we're taking out of these tournaments and the, the more they, they can get kicked down the road, then you actually run the risk of these athletes not being able to kick back into gear or the runway for them to kick back into gear is could even perhaps be past their, their use-by date in itself or their best, their best um, times as an athlete. So I guess... That kind of leads on to my next question. The likes of yourself and, and Rob Nickel and, say, the racing industry and, and many of these other um, key sporting administrators and, and organisations around New Zealand, have, have you guys had a chance to be able to maybe get together and, and try and present a united front to, to the government to, to seek some assistance and, and clarity to, to try and steer a pathway forward with all this stuff, Carl? Yeah, and, and parts we have. Um, and look, there's various in the industry groups that you know that are there to represent us as well. Um, I think again, the challenge is with such a broad industry. Uh, you know, and, and, yeah, you've got small. If I, if I think of the ASP Classic, it's owned and run by a small regional sports organisation. Um, yeah, you know, compare that to SPP, which is a you know, a, a global international league um, funded privately. 
And so you know, you've got such a varying degree of ownership structures, you've got various degrees of boards and, and capabilities right throughout the system. So it, it does vary very hard. And so you know, we do that's where we do need to look at you know, our relationship with Sport New Zealand, our, our relationship with people like the Events Association, um, and, and try and present, a, 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 I guess, a collective voice. Uh, and one that's probably a little bit more broad that does take in not just uh, you know, the, the governing bodies of, of the industry, but also those private promoters too. As, um, as someone that, uh, that sat on a chair at about 10 p.m. at night rocking back and forth uh, on the eve of the Pihar Pro, we'd, uh, we'd taken on multi-million dollars worth of expenses. And uh, the day before we were due to, to kick off, we, uh, we got cancelled. It was the first event in New Zealand to be cancelled. I can tell you that's a... Um, you're certainly, certainly ring your wife going, oh, the house is in the trust, right? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pretty scary moment. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Jeez, I don't envy the situation you're in, but I guess that's why you're in the, one of those top jobs, mate, too. You've got a hide of a rhinoceros. So good on you for uh, for that. Hope it all comes together and we're able to get some traction and, and maybe get some more clarity for you guys as well. Hey, before we let you go, Carl, it would be remiss of us to not talk about... Um, your relationship with the WTA over many years and, and trying to build the, the ASB Classic and sadly that's been derailed the last two years because of COVID but the WTA was pretty strong yesterday and, and uh, immediately suspending all the activity and tournaments over safety concerns for, I, th- I think I pronounce it right, Peng Shui and how big a player is yeah, that yeah. In, the, in the overall scheme of things and, and what was your reaction to that? Well, mate, I've worked with Steve Simon for a very long time um, we sat in governance roles for the WTA together for a long time, and um, yeah, I'm just incredibly proud of them, to be honest. I, 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 uh, my prior life, I was head of the region for, for the WTA. I was, I was living in Beijing, um, running the tour, and just how critical those relationships were. So you understand firsthand just how critical that part of the world is to, to global women's tennis. But I think there's, you know, there's moments that are more important than sport, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of my old colleagues that... Uh, They've come out and taken the stance. I'm not across all the details um, of Payne's particular case, um, but if, if it's playing out as as it's been reported, I, I couldn't be prouder of the decision that Steve's made. And you know, I, I think it shows incredible leadership uh, that you know, a lot of other administrators around the world could um, yeah could do well to listen to. Yeah, spot on, mate. Couldn't agree more with you. Actually, Smitty was. Covered a lot of it yesterday in his show as well, and I'm sure he'll continue to do so today. But, mate, we're going to let you go, Carl, but we really appreciate you coming on uh, onto Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Next time we'll get you on, make sure Izzy's here, and uh, you'll enjoy chatting to, to the Iz Master as well. But we really appreciate it, mate, and hope that things can, um, can I guess, uh, well, correct themselves and, and all the good work that you're doing is able to actually um, be able to unfold and, and we get to see a lot of it. Yeah, cheers, boys. I think there's a, there's a good dawn coming uh the, the beauty of this this pandemic is we've missed getting together and and yeah you know, I guess the importance of of the experience economy and, and watching stuff with your mates so I'm I'm excited around um, what can happen once um once we can turn a corner so yeah he's hoping good man thank you very much that is Carl Budge who is a fantastic sports administrator right at the helm and at the forefront of the challenges which have been faced by many of our big sporting organisations, of course, is involved with the ASB Tennis Classic, WSL, PR, Surf Pro, and the Sail GP. We really appreciate Carl Budge's time, and it flows on nicely from our chat with Rob Nickel yesterday as well. So some big challenges in front. Let's hope we can get some traction and we can get those events 
to be able to operate, not just for the events and for those administrators and the finances that, that are in behind them, but also for the athletes to give them a platform where they can go out there and exhibit their skills on the stage in the time that they need to, which is at the prime and the height of their careers. 7.19 here in the morning on Baz Nizzy for breakfast. We're coming up soon. We'll digest that, get through some of your texts, and give us a call at any stage as well on the Kennard's High phone line. 0800 150 811. Big thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.